Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Teens in Quarantine podcast. I'm Christine, your host, bringing you stories from teens around the world during this COVID-19 pandemic. Around March, the world started to go into lockdown, shutting down one country at a time. It was a big disruption to our everyday life. But can you imagine if it also meant that you had to pack up and leave because it was no longer safe for you to stay in the place that you called home? When the pandemic hit your country, how far from home were you? Today, I'm speaking to a teen who was living in China when the pandemic broke out and who left a place she considered home to return to her home country of Australia. But her story is not the typical Australian teen quarantine story. It may be unusual to some of us, but it's not uncommon for the children whose parents work as diplomats, missionaries, or in other fields that have led them to live abroad. So when the pandemic hit, she and other expat teens around the world found themselves returning abruptly to their home country. She shares her experience of that jarring shock of leaving behind her life in China and leaving her mom behind because her mom was considered an essential personnel in her job. And she came back to isolate with her dad and her brothers back in Australia with no timetable of when she would be able to return. As of the time of our interview in early May, she still had not received news of when she would be able to go back to see her friends and to finish her final year of high school. Hi, my name is Sinead. I'm 18 years old um, and I live and go to school in Shanghai. But right now I'm isolating in Canberra, Australia with my dad and my two brothers while my mom remains in Shanghai. Hello, good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Hey, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I think the best that I can be in the situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been a wild ride. So many changes. Like my school in Shanghai just opened, opened mm-hmm. for realsies. And, um, well, um, well, let's back up. Tell me a, bit, a little bit about yourself because your situation's unique. You're not, you're here in Australia right now but you aren't usually here. Yeah. Um, So my mom is a diplomat, an Australian diplomat. Um, She's the Deputy Consul General of Shanghai. So right now, um, mom and I are situated in Shanghai. Well, not right now, but I live in Shanghai. My full story, I guess, is I moved to Shanghai when I was four. Um, left when I was about eight, um, then stayed in Australia for a bit until I was 12, moved to London until I was around 16, um, and then, for f- yeah, London was for four years, um, and then I came back for, oh gosh, about a year, and then I left to Shanghai again. Well, I love Shanghai. <laughs> um, I loved it when I was little and I still love it. It's changed a ton. Um, It's become so much more modernized since I left. Um, I really like my life in Shanghai. It's so convenient. 
um, because everything you do is on your phone. So like my travel card is on my phone. Um, I pay for everything on WeChat with my phone. I transfer my friend's money on WeChat with my phone. Um, you can get around with pretty much no Chinese, um, even though I do speak it definitely enough to get by. Well, what is your what was your daily life like um, in Shanghai on a on a school day? So on a school day, I'd wake up around six forty-five. Um, I'd get ready for school. Um, the school bus. So my school has, like, we have our own buses. So that would pick me up around seven forty, seven forty-five. Um, luckily, my house, my apartment is really, really close to my school. So if I did ever miss the bus, which I think I have once, um, I can ride there. That's another thing I love about Shanghai is that they have rental bikes everywhere. There are like ten on every street corner, and they only cost. I think you pay something like sixteen、uh, RMB for thirty days, which is the equivalent of like three point two Australian dollars for a month, and then it's like unlimited access, which is great.、Uh-huh. Um, my school starts at eight and ends at three thirty. We have seven classes a day, which definitely was a shock to the system coming from my Australian school, which had four classes a day.、Um, We'd end at three thirty.、Um, either I would go home on the school bus, or my friends and I would hang out after school. We have like a lot of cafes near my school. We have a lot of eateries.、Um, that's another thing I love about China. The food is well, a lot of the food is a lot cheaper than Australia.、Um, so we can always like sit in cafes and study or. Go out, have bubble tea,、um, all that jazz,、mm-hmm. and then I'd come home. Again, I'd probably bike home because it's so convenient, or I'd catch a taxi. They're also really cheap in China, which I love.、Um, and then, yeah, that'd be it. Well, walk me through what it was like those really early days when the coronavirus was starting to、uh, emerge out of China, because you probably.、Yeah. You probably felt the effects of it much, much sooner than anyone else in Australia.、Um, My friends were complaining about it, and I was like, "I've been, I've been in this since January." So、um, I remember the first time we heard about it, it was just like on the news.、Um, it was kind of like in a movie. It's like, "Ooh, mysterious virus has been found in China, like a influenza-like symptoms," and I didn't think much of it. I was just like, "Oh, yeah." It's cool. It's a. That's another like version of the flu that we're gonna get.、Um, and I came back to Shanghai, and every couple days we'd hear about it. This this flu.、Um, people started comparing it to SARS. Well, because SARS is another coronavirus. In,、um, in back in the early two thousands, and so we were just like, oh, it's the SARS virus. It's the SARS virus. Uh, so it was a bit scary because we didn't know what it was. Everyone was kind of being a bit worried, like, "Oh, don't go to Wuhan."、Um, mm-hmm. You know, we want to keep the virus contained, basically.、Um, and so then, everyone. But at that point, it was just kind of a joke. Still, it wasn't really real to us. I would say it was very similar to when the West heard about it in China, and it didn't like it. 
it existed, but it didn't really exist at home yet. Mm -hmm. So then we went on Chinese New Year break. Um, and I basically, I mean, everyone was preparing to get right back to school after break. Um, my teachers were talking about classes after break, you know, lots of studying. Um, and I said goodbye to my friends for what I thought was going to be a week. Um, and basically while we were on Chinese New Year break, First, the school came out and said, okay, look, we're postponing school until your mocks in February. Um, and that was, I mean, we were all kind of happy. We were like, wow, okay, no school to, till February. This, so we started online classes for what we thought was only going to be two weeks. And then during that whole thing, we could see that the virus was definitely, it wasn't going to stop like we thought it was. In about two days, I remember I was like doing my work. I was calling a friend one time and I got a call from my mom that was basically saying like, okay, um, we got to go. You, well, you have to go. I can't come with you. So my mom is still in Shanghai. Um, and so they basically called all non-essential diplomats, uh, which was myself, to go back home. But yeah, I was asked to leave for an uh, undisclosed amount of time, which was really, really scary because... I essentially had my whole life ahead of me, you know, graduation, grad trip, um, prom, IB exams, and it was all in Shanghai. And so being told that I had to go home, um, I had to quarantine for two weeks at the time, that sounded horrible. Um, hmm. And I had to basically go home and quarantine and do my schoolwork from Australia, miss out on what's happening in Shanghai. So that... Um, was definitely a huge shock to the system. Um, and so I went home and I would say essentially, I, I wouldn't call it isolation. Well, definitely the first two weeks were isolation. Um, it was just my dad and I. So I came back to my dad who lives with my brother in Canberra. Mm -hmm. um, and... I actually, I feel really blessed because I know that I'm in a pretty good situation coming back to a house, coming back to a home that's already lived in because my dad works here. Um, I know like some of my diplomat friends don't, or some of my expat friends like don't have really a home in your home country. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel really blessed to actually have been able to come back to a house and a room and bedroom that's already set up. Um, but I yeah, see. I came back and I've been doing my schooling from here. Yeah, I've been doing distance learning. We've all been doing distance learning since early February mm. to late January. Wow. Um, so we, we got used to it quick, I guess. Um, so you were saying you, you just feel blessed that you were able to come back to a home, like an established home, uh, mm -hmm. that you have some roots and foundations in because some of these expat yeah. kids they really resettled in their new country so you know they they don't have a home base in their home country to go back to so definitely so one yeah. of my best friends is um american but she's been living in shanghai since i was lost there when i was like six mm -hmm. um i think i met her when i was six i moved when i was four but she so she's been living there ever since and she says you know every time she goes back home it's a bit weird because yeah like you're american but not really um and i would say 
I don't feel that too much. Well, because I've been coming back to Australia every few years, it's helped me to keep in touch with a lot of my um, friends that I've had since childhood. And it forms really strong bonds coming back to them, mm. definitely. Um, but I think sometimes it is a bit weird when you hear people talk about things that, so for example, like things that would have happened in year eight and you have no idea what they're talking about. But um, yeah, because you've missed out on that whole thing. But it's weird because you, in a way, you feel like you should have experienced that. But no, you're in a different country. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's a bit strange the whole expat life. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I do feel very blessed to have kind of two homes right now Shanghai and Canberra, and uh, also to have friends still in Canberra. The rules have always been you're allowed like two guests over so I've been um hanging out a lot with um some of my best friends mm-hmm. um and that's mm-hmm. another great thing being able to see them even though I do kind of want to be back home in Shanghai mm-hmm. but being able to see them has been great mm. yeah that's I guess that's a like you were saying a blessing in disguise that you have this opportunity to reconnect with some of your Australian friends now really? um yeah yeah We did a photo shoot back in December when you were mm-hmm. um, back in town in Melbourne. We talked about how, what how being an expat has taught you, you know, how to be flexible and how to uh, accept change. Yeah, I've learned that. I have a whole new meaning of that in the past few months. Yeah, so I, that's why I wanted to follow up with that now. So we talked like five months ago. Um, even back then, you were you know, talking about how the expat life, um, you, you learn to accept change quickly. How has this helped you in dealing with this pandemic? In some sense, I was very sad to be leaving Shanghai. But in another sense, it kind of didn't really hit me because um, it just felt like I was going home for a visit. I guess a three-month visit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the expert life because um i had to move around so much you have to learn you have to learn to be very adaptable um especially to like this the changes in your environment i guess my body's used to yeah like okay this is a new environment we're just gonna have to make the best of it we're just gonna have to live through it um and find the positives which is what i've always had to do when you go to a new country um, and I think also the keeping in contact with friends, um, definitely, like, having friends long distance is not something new to me at all, which is, it's it's definitely a pro um, in this situation, um, because I feel like um, if, personally, if I had grown up in one place the entire time, not being able to constantly see my friends would kind of really get me down. Mm. Um, and so I guess it's very normal for me to just, you know, text my friends and I don't really have to physically see them um, to get that like social gratification. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like that's probably one of the biggest thing is that I'm so used to already being in contact with people overseas 
that keeping in contact with people right now obviously is it's It sounds like the way that you have learned to do relationships and friendships,、um, you know, accepting that you won't always see them per- in person or every、mm-hmm. day,、um, that you, it's helped you to develop an you know, appreciation for just the, the little contact that you do have with them. And definitely. Yeah, and, and it sounds like you've learned to still maintain relationships even without. Physically seeing people, which is how I think a lot of people are learning to do relationships now during this、mm-hmm. pandemic. Yeah.、Um, and well, actually, I think the pandemic has also helped with that.、Um, I am used to it, but I guess now I'm trying to find more creative ways to do it. So my friends and I will call. Also, one cool thing is that I, I've like kind of combined a lot of my friends from different places in the world.、Mm. Um, Because beforehand, you you always have like one friendship group that you're physically with in the country, and you tend to, you know, like you keep your friendship group separate from different countries just because it makes sense.、Um, but now that you can't really see anyone, I've just been combining a lot of them. And so, like, I'll be on a call and I'll invite a friend from London、um, while with friends from Australia. And then bring in a couple of friends from Shanghai and have them all meet and be like, well, you guys might have heard about each other. <laughs>、um, welcome、mm-hmm. to my call.、Mm-hmm. And we'll all play games.、Um, I've found out there are so many online games that you can play.、Um, like Broken Picture Phone is one of my favorite ones,、mm-hmm. which is kind of like a combination of Broken Telephone and、um, Pictionary and like all of these things.、Um, But yeah, I've just, I've, I've had to be more creative about it. Yeah.、Um, which I think will definitely help. And I think a lot of people are finding that one unexpected bonus to the whole isolation deal is that we are reconnecting with, oh, we're reconnecting more with、um, friends that we didn't see on a regular basis anyway.、Mm-hmm. So、um, my dad has set up like a weekly family Zoom call. Um, with his, so with my auntie, with his siblings, that they didn't do on a very regular basis at all in the past.、Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's fantastic.、Mm-hmm. I think、mm-hmm. that is definitely one good thing that we have to be thankful for in the virus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've experienced a bit of that myself too, just knowing that everyone is at home. No one you know, has really any. Big reasons to not be able to make a certain time if you want to set up a call. So, yeah, I've, I've had that experience too, getting my brother and sister and my parents together so that my parents can see all their grandkids on the screen at once. And, you know, of course, it doesn't replace family get togethers or anything, but I think you're right.、Um, when you have family scattered around different parts of the world or friends, this is a, a unique time that we can get together that we kind of take for granted because I think, for me, I thought, Okay, well, the next time I see my family all together will be, you know, I was planning to go in November for American Thanksgiving. And now、mm-hmm. I'm、uh, slowly accepting that that might not be possible. So I'm being more, intention-、yeah. being more intentional about getting everyone together on Zoom or whatever and, and, and seeing everyone all together. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. And I, I think, <laughs> yeah. And I think your generation is really going to be. The generation that comes out of this 
with some really great innovative ways of staying connected to people. Um, yeah. I, yeah. And I, and I just think, you know, you guys are digital natives, you've grown up with technology and this pandemic is going to um, give you guys reasons to figure out how to use technology differently. So I look forward to seeing what else uh, you guys yeah. come up with. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm almost worried for what happens when this whole pandemic ends. Is like, will we keep it up? I think it'll have a twofold effect. I think that we'll, one will value the face-to-face -face ones even more, but then also we will have learned how to stay in contact remotely, you know, with friends. And um, that, you know, that can't be a bad thing when we are connecting with people, you know, um, and relating to people over time and distance. So awesome. Yeah. awesome. Well, I could talk to you forever, but... <laughs> I know you've got your data to go and I've got some kids that I need to supervise and get going on school here. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for making time this morning. It's It was also refreshing for me to do an interview in my time zone because oh, I can imagine. <laughs> Melbourne, and, Melbourne and Canberra are the same time zone. So um, otherwise I've been doing them all times of the day and even like at midnight at night. Anyway, it's it's all been worth it. Well, thanks, Sinead. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How are you all keeping up with friendships these days? Do you prefer to text, call, video chat, and just rely on social media? As a member of the Xenials, that's someone born late in Generation X, but not quite a member of the Millennial Generation, I am a person who was born in that small window of history who had an analog childhood but digital adulthood. I prefer seeing friends in person, but I'm quickly adapting to the digital ways of connecting and reconnecting with the people from my past, those from my analog years. Because of the pandemic, everyone is mostly home nowadays for big parts of their day. It's a little easier to schedule a call or video meeting. So like Sinead, I'm enjoying a season of rekindling friendships from all over the globe and from different stages of my life. In a strange, unexpected way, this pandemic has made me feel less distant from old friends because I know that COVID-19 is affecting all of us, though not in exactly the same ways. And that gives us something to talk about. This week's TIQ challenge is to find a friend or family member that even before COVID-19, you hadn't seen in a long time or kind of lost touch with. Use the pandemic as a reason to catch up and check up on them and let me know how it goes. Send me a message to teensinquarantine at gmail.com. You can also DM me on Instagram at Christine Tan Photography. And while you're at it, check out Sinead's virtual photo shoot on my website at christinetanphotography.com. Well, that's all for this episode of the Teens in Quarantine podcast. I am so honored you would spend part of your day with me, and I hope you will come back to hear more stories of hope, courage, and creativity. We have one continent I have yet to share a story from, and that is Africa. It's in the works, but I'm not sure when I'll be able to get it out to you all. So it's a good idea to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss when it does come out. Also, consider leaving a review 
I look forward to hearing from some of you out there. So wherever you are on this globe, I want to encourage you to look out for each other. Create something new during these times of isolation. And the simplest thing is to wash your hands. <laughs>